Chickadoola, Minchikaboola, Bibbity Bobbity Boo. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbity Bobbity Boo. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan and welcome back to Every Version Ever. Today's episode is the second in a three-part mini-series looking at the various films spun off the 1950 Disney animated feature Cinderella. Today's episode is looking at the 2015 remake by Kenneth Branagh starring Lily James and Kate Blanchett. Joining me as before are Rachel Wagner and Eli Sanza, so let's just get into it. Okay, the remake. So, did you guys see this in theaters when it first came out? I did, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was one of my favorites of the year, actually. I watched it on DVD, like, later. I didn't check it out in theaters, but, like, after it came out in theaters, I did notice it was getting, like, better reviews than I was expecting. So I definitely wanted to see it. Uh, but I, but I rented it later, and 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 I ended up liking it a lot more than I was expecting because you know, like live action remakes are kind of hit or miss. But this one, they did a good job with it. Yeah, I saw this one in the theater. My cousins and I went to see it, and I don't remember. I remember liking it, but I don't remember it making too much of an impression on me because I, I didn't see it again until I watched it for this podcast. And I have to say, having watched all these other remakes in between that one and today, this is one of the best ones. And I'm yeah. surprised it didn't stick with me more than it did. It's, I feel like it's almost undeniable. This is one of the best ones. Yeah, definitely. But it, it, it was almost shocking to me how much it stood above the other remakes. Even though, like I've said many times i don't hate the remakes i think a lot of them leave something to be desired but i don't like actively despise them but it still was surprising to me how much higher quality this one was than the others have been yeah i i don't care for the trend as a whole i think is just not not my favorite even if there's a few that i've enjoyed oh yeah (laughs) i wish they would stop (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pro-originality. That's true. I don't necessarily wish that they would stop, but I wish that they would do a better job of making them set apart from the originals. Like, take the story and give it its own spin. Don't do a Lion King and try and shot-for-shot remake the thing with only a few minor changes. What on earth was that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I hated uh, the 2019 Lion King so much when I watched that, and like, and a lot of people, a lot of other people went as harsh on it, but like, I just despised it because it's like one of the reasons why I despised it was because it was like I loved the 1994 Lion King. That lie, the 1994 animated Lion King was my favorite movie Disney ever made, and so I hold the special place in my heart. So when I mm-hmm. watched. This version in 2019, I was like, this, this, this feels like blasphemy. What is happening here? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 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 the other live action remakes. I agree with Rachel and and Jonathan. Like, because if you're gonna make a live action remake, don't do it exactly the same. Do something new with it. Like, did they did that with Mulan, and they did that with Cinderella. Those are the best ones. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I didn't like Mulan, but um, I think I think Pete's Dragon is uh, is the best one of all of them, and it's like nothing like the original. Yeah, at all. it's another one. They they oh. took the story and put their own unique spin on it. Mm-hmm. And and I also think that that's helped by the fact that I don't really like the original Peach Dragon, so I think that helps somewhat too. <laughs> I um, don't really like the original Peach Dragon either. That one I thought was a little overrated. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. but the the new one was really good, and it was completely different. So it felt like a completely different movie. So mm-hmm. I so it's mm-hmm. like probably the least like the original of all the other ones, but but for yeah. the best because I ended up liking that one. My all time favorite of any of the I mean I do I love Pete's Dragon, but I. I loved Mary Poppins Returns much more than most people seem to have. I just thought oh, it was too. really wonderful. Uh, yeah. And I loved the songs and I loved the dancing, the choreography. Uh, I, don't know, I just thought it was magical. Yeah. So that's the one that, that I guess I really bonded with. I don't even feel like it belongs in the same category because, well, for one, it's almost more of a sequel, but it's also like so much head and shoulders above all the others that it it's just That's what I feel almost too good to be compared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's, it's a little, it's a little different. Like Jonathan said, it's a little bit different. It's just sort of a little more like a sequel than a remake, but, the, but the idea behind Mary Poppins returns was sort of the same as the live action remake yeah. because they're sort of like yeah. taking an old movie and then updating it for modern times. Yeah. Like they keep like the, and, and I also agree with Rachel that that movie was, super underrated and i really really enjoyed it it was like one of my favorite movies of the year and i thought they did a good job with it and and you and i was not expecting to like it at all because i love the original mary poppins and i thought this was going to be like possibly like uh, something that's trying to capture the magic of the original but doesn't succeed at it but it was actually it blew my mind how like excellent it actually was it was a really great movie and and i also like the music too Agreed. Yeah, I, I would have said that it helped to go in with low expectations because I went in with very low expectations and loved it. Uh, but I've rewatched it since and I love it just as much as the first time. So I don't yeah. think it's just that I had low expectations. I think it actually is a genuinely good movie. Agreed. And I feel like it's the only one of those that I think that Walt would have genuinely loved. Hmm. I really do. I think he, I, when I was watching, I felt like I was in Marceline watching a movie with Walt as I was watching Mary Poppins Returns. You know what? Yeah, I kind of agree. Like Walt Disney would not be the kind of person who would like it if they did live action remakes of his animated movies. I think he would be opposed to that. But, you know, this, this Mary Poppins Returns was something that it seems like he would enjoy, though. But, as far as the Cinderella, I mean, the getting Kate Blanchett to be Lady Tremaine was brilliant. And I feel like they made just enough changes to make it its own, have its own flair, have its own uh, identity, but then also not just be like weird. I don't know. I feel like they got that blend just about as well as you could. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they added a little bit to Lady Tremaine's character. You understood a little more of her motivations for why she... Uh, I was kind of jealous of Cinderella because her father, you know, her husband and and um, Cinderella's father, you know, loved her more than loved Cinderella more than he loved her, and uh, yeah. that I think works well to give her a little bit of motivation um, without 
redeeming the character like that that's part of the problem mm-hmm. is when we want to have these tragic backstories to the characters to the villains sometimes we lose what made them a villain and made them a fun character to begin with so then they're just really bland yeah i i would say that like for me i love a good villain redemption story but at this point disney has done it so many times that it's almost refreshing to see them not do that I'm, I'm over it. I'm tired they, they of it. Still, they still did, like you said, they gave her reasons for why she was who she was. Like, legitimate reasons. But they didn't use that to make us feel so sorry for her and then have her fully reform by the end. So, even though I like when villains get reformed, I like that they didn't just go in that direction because it seems too easy these days because they... I've done it so many times. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, probably one of my favorite things about that movie is the you know, at the beginning of the movie it's like it's like for the first half hour, it's like a bunch of stuff that happens before the animated movie's plot. Yeah, it was like they did a good job, like like building on the relationship between Cinderella and her father and Cinderella's father's relationship with Cinderella's stepmother. And I enjoyed seeing all that because it was like, oh, this is a little bit of world building. I'm seeing a little bit of what happened before the original movie takes place. And like that was like for like 30 minutes before the before it started. And also they, they did add the part where he met the prince um, in the forest, which is uh, something they added to it that made it seem a little less like he, a little less like the prince and Cinderella just fell in love with each other at the ballroom just instantly. They actually yeah. knew each other, which I, which I thought was a good element they added. Yeah, yeah, they have some time together, which I appreciated. Yeah, because that was my favorite part of the remake was that they added a little bit more to the relationship with the prince and Cinderella because they seemed sort of flat in the animated one. Mm-hmm. And I also liked that they actually made her mother a character and it gave the story a little bit more weight to have the mother at the beginning and yeah. like you see them as a family. And then when she dies, cause like at the beginning of the original Cinderella, she's basically just, you never meet her. And so it's not, there's not really that weight of loss that you get with this one. Yeah. yeah. And I, I first, when I saw the publicity, I thought, Oh, this dress, I don't know about this dress. Cause it was so big. But then when they when they make it a part of her mother's that it was her mother's dress um, that that I think helps make it a better part of the story. And so then when the fairy godmother sort of, you know, transforms her, it's her mother's dress instead of the silver dress from the, the movie. Yeah, I kind of like that. A lot of the things they added to the movie that weren't in the animated one were actually not bad. They were good additions to the story. Yeah. And I mean, when you hire Kate Blanchett, you know, you're going to get a good, good performance. I don't, I don't know why, but it, it took me until it took me until like halfway through the movie to suddenly realize, wait a minute, that's Galadriel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's a very different character. Yes. <laughs> Kate Blanchett is great in this. He's, he's a great actor and she can play evil well. Yeah, she really can. Although she has her evil moments as Galadriel. <laughs> That's true. Moments. Yes, that one specific ah. scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a good movie, a good remake. I I kind of look at it less as a remake and more just another version of Cinderella. Yes. Every get them every three, 
couple of years, we get a new version of Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, kind of because it, and, it doesn't really have a lot. It doesn't really have a lot in common with the animated one. So it maybe it kind of isn't a remake in a way. It's, it's just sort of like more like a retelling of the original story. I think they kept enough of the animated version that you can still call it a remake because the mice. I don't yeah. think that that's a a specific thing to Cinderella. I think that's more the 1950s Cinderella. And even oh, the right. names, like she, Jacques became Jacqueline, but Gus was still there. But that is kind of weird in live action to have her talking to mice and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this one, the mice didn't, the, they didn't talk back. So it's slightly less weird. And then you also have, um, I don't think that Drizella and Anastasia, I don't think that those are always their names. I think that that was specific to the Disney version, so they've kept that as well. Right. Yeah. And then there are, like, allusions in the music to the 1950s, and over the credits, of course, you get the the actual singing of the songs from the 1951. Right. It's definitely not well, a remake in, the, like, like, The Lion King or some of oh, these other no, ones we talked definitely about. definitely not. Yeah. The, well, yeah, maybe I'm thinking of The Lion King, because that was such a, like, blatant remake, but... Yeah, the, there will be a lot to talk about with The Lion King whenever I eventually get to that one, because I have yeah. I have more things that I could say, but I think I will save them for that podcast in the future. Yeah. <laughs> Good. On the topic of the cast, though, I, one thing that I didn't, like, I wouldn't have known him back then, but the prince, I realized that he's the same guy who played Icarus in The Eternals, and that stuck out to me because I don't think I knew him before that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, which I've never seen. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I watch Game of Thrones, but he's on Game of Thrones, and, uh, um, you know, I've, I feel like I've seen him in other stuff, but, but yeah. yeah he's he, good. Has a, he has a decently long IMDb page, but I didn't, I didn't recognize him the first time I saw it, and it only took me till now, because I had recently oh. saw The Eternals, to recognize him. Yeah. And then Cinderella is played by Lily James, who I'm not that familiar with either. Do you guys know her from anything else? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love her in Downton Abbey. She's great uh, on that show. And then also she is on the Mamma Mia sequel, which is great. Mm. I love it. (laughs) And I haven't Um, seen either of those. And she's also in another romantic movie called... it's based on a book. It's called the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It's a mouthful, but it's actually a really good movie. I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix. <laughs> okay. I remember the title and being curious about it, but I've never seen that one either. Yeah. And uh, she's also actually just recently been in this. I haven't seen it, but um, a miniseries where she played Pamela Anderson, which seems like the transformation, the makeup and hair and everything pretty pretty crazy pretty it would have to be amazing. she doesn't look anything like pamela anderson i know but they make her look like a i have again i haven't seen it but i've seen that it to, looked pretty, yeah, pretty I, heard of, I heard about pam and that that pamela anderson show and i, I didn't know that was really james playing her though that's amazing mm-hmm. that's amazing like he looks nothing yeah. like her she's also in a dead girl right movie baby driver i don't know if you've seen that but oh, yeah. she's in that oh, she's yeah. in a lot of stuff the person that I think I'm probably most familiar with from this cast is Helena Bonham Carter as the fairy godmother. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, I've seen her in stuff since I was a kid. I love her. Yeah, she's great. Oh, yeah. I've, I've definitely seen her because I've seen every 
film Tim Burton never directed, so I definitely saw her. <laughs> She's in pretty much every film he's ever made. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they were married for a long time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that, yeah. And it, it took me until looking at the IMDb page to realize that her mother is played by Haley Atwell, who everybody will know from the Marvel movies as... Um, Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter, and then in the the What If series, Captain Carter. Yeah, yeah. I saw her uh, in that movie, and I didn't recognize her, first because she was blonde, and I was like, like I would have almost never noticed it of the blondes Haley Atwell if I wasn't watching this movie on Amazon Prime and they have like facts fun facts on the side of the screen oh, I like that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they said that was Haley Atwell and I was like oh my god I didn't notice mm-hmm. and then you also have Derek Jacobi as the king which it took me a minute to recognize him I'm familiar with him from Doctor Who he had a very big role in a specific episode of doctor who that i won't get into because rachel has yet to see that one but yeah that's that's my that's where i mainly know him from so every time i see him i that i think back to that episode of doctor who yeah most of this cast in this movie i did not recognize because i did not watch doctor who i don't watch downton abbey so yeah (laughs) i think this was my introduction to her although i did see baby diver but like that movie was a blur to me yeah, other than that, I didn't really recognize anybody. Except for Kate Blanchett. Like, she, I knew. Well, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. But it's a pretty fun movie. I, I enjoy it, so. Yeah, I like it. It's good. One thing that I had questions on when I was watching was like, what time period is this supposed to take place in? Uh, that's a good question. I think it's supposed to be like. Uh, like 1840s is my guess like 1830s 1840s okay yeah i wasn't 100 percent sure my guess was going to be 1700s but i'm not an expert so i i wouldn't be surprised if it was like it's 1800s 1840s or something like that because like rachel said because it's like that's like it looks like it takes place in a time right before like the industrial revolution or like right before like telephones and cars yeah. get invented like it's, it's yeah like pre-victorian yeah, okay. that's what it looks like. Yeah. And another another thing that I, I was using as sort of a clue as to 1700s is the song Lavender's Blue Dilly Dilly is a recurring motif through the whole oh, yeah. film. Yeah. And at first I was just thinking of it as, because I recently watched So Dear to My Heart, another early Disney film, and I was thinking of it as a song from that movie, and I was just thinking, oh, there's just a callback to another Disney film. But then I looked it up, apparently it's a really old song, It's like, and it was from the 1700s. So I was wondering if maybe that was uh, a clue you know, I, as to when it took place, but I wasn't sure. I would think like post-Regency, but I, uh, which is like the Jane Austen era, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I don't know for sure. I yeah, would be surprised. Like, it looks like a Jane Austen yeah, yeah. The, I'm I'm not an expert, but the dresses sort of made me think 1800s. But then I was thinking, well, that's too late in time. It, maybe it's earlier. I don't know. But like I said, I'm not I'm not a an expert on that kind of thing. <laughs> me neither. I'm just estimating. What did you guys think of Anastasia and Drizella in this? Well, it was fun because they had uh, one of the actresses is also from Downton Abbey. 
Okay. Yeah, so that was kind of fun to see her. She plays on in Downton Abbey. She plays AM, um, one of the maids. So it was fun to see her as this. And the costumes for for these two were just so good. <laughs> I I I loved them. I thought they were hilarious, and the costumes made me think of. Have you guys ever seen the Disney Channel show Wizards of Waverly Place? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. The, there's a character yeah. in there named Harper, and she always dresses in wild colors and costumes. And it was like these two were like Victorian era Harpers from Wizard of Waverly Place. <laughs> that was my thought of with them. Except Harper's nice, and these two were <laughs> hilariously <laughs> bratty. Yeah. I loved the scene when they're they're like having a brawl and the and the mothers in the other room saying such dear affectionate girls and one of them yells yeah. sometimes I could scratch your eyes out. <laughs> yes, yes. I liked the I liked the stepsisters. They were they were uh, some of the highlights of the movie were the scenes with the stepsisters, in my opinion. <laughs> And another scene with them, they they overhear Cinderella talking to the mice. <laughs> One says, "We've got a half wit for a sister." Well, I've got two. <laughs> yeah, and then she said, "I've got two. and <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I thought set this one apart was the storyline with the father, because I don't remember. You know, in all the Cinderellas that I've seen, I don't remember the father being, and by father I mean the king, the king dying. Because usually it's the whole thing was with the king wants his son to get married and he's like behind the whole thing. But like in this one, the king is kind of dead set on him marrying royalty. And that's kind of a. A sticking point between the two of them is he wants him to marry royalty and the duke goes so far as to like set it up for him to actually marry a princess and even i don't think the king even knew about that but then the king ends up dying before the end of the movie making the prince the king before the end of the movie so by the end of this movie cinderella is not just a princess she's actually queen of this whole land yeah and i don't remember that in other versions of cinderella I actually liked uh, how the right before the king died in that movie, he was like he let uh, the prince like follow his heart and marry the, yeah. the woman who he actually loved instead of getting set up with a woman he didn't love. I actually because like the whole time I was watching the movie, I was hoping that the that the king would like give him his blessing, like like hopefully before he died or something. And he and he finally did, and it was very satisfying. Uh, except for the part when he died, that was probably sad. But but at least as, as before he died, like he said, I agree. The rules should change. He should fall. He should fall in love with the girl he wants to fall in love with instead of mm-hmm. the one I want you to marry. Yeah, I liked the king in this one, even though he was too stuck on the princess thing at the beginning. I liked him as a character, and I liked the fact that they made up before he died. Yeah, totally. Going back to Helena Bonham Carter, what did you guys think of her fairy godmother character and that whole scene? Yeah, she she was uh, a good fairy godmother. Like, I have to stop comparing her to the original because I like the original so much, but like, if I'm just focusing on her 
on her own merit, then he was good. He he was a, he was a nice counterpoint to the to the rest of the cast. He was like the more whimsical of everyone else. He was mm-hmm. like he was just like the I like the magical like component of the movie because like the whole movie was it wasn't a lot of magic in this it was just it was mostly more a little bit more grounded and less fantastic but this this we finally just went all out with the computer animation in this scene where the pumpkin mm-hmm. is growing and the mice turn into horses it was like this was just a pure disney magic and i did like helena bonham carter's performance too she was like a huge he was not overly i like the thing my favorite thing about her was that he was not overly like uh cutesy or sentimental with the role he was like he was very practical he he accidentally mm-hmm. like called he accidentally called herself the, the hairy dog father when she <laughs> when she <laughs> i thought was a good touch that made her seem a little little slightly out of it, a little screwy, which I thought was a nice mm-hmm. time. And so I so I liked that. And I loved that whole scene too. Yeah, I loved the whole the whole transformation scene. And the like transforming back too. Because I'm thinking of her like inside the pumpkin. And you can see like all oh, yeah. the seeds and everything. That like everything they did with the transformation of before and after I thought was really creative. Yeah. Yeah. I also like that they use lizards. <laughs> the yeah, lizards were li- cute. Yeah, that was a, that was a th- different thing they did from the animated movie. They made, they did the lizards, which is a nice touch, and, and a goose, a goose instead mm-hmm. of was the, the driver instead of the the, the the horse in the animated one. And and you're right, I liked the transformation of the carriage of the pumpkin into a carriage, and the scene when the carriage transformed back into a pumpkin was I thought was some of the best CGI in the movie. They did a really good job with that. And there was, and it was, and it looked like there was a lot of computer animation involved in that, and yeah. and sometimes sometimes that can look fake if it's too much computer animation. But like, but I I don't really harp on stuff like that. It's, I still think it was like impressive and and mm-hmm. and well staged because it's not easy to make a scene of a carriage turning into a pumpkin while it's driving and have it look believable but they did a good job with it yeah that's the one thing that i noticed between the first one and this one was i wondered what was going to happen to Cinderella when the pumpkin changed back but like the scene cut away from the pumpkin changing and then when it turned goes back to the road cinderella's just sitting on top of the pumpkin so you didn't yeah. get like the actual practical thing of like she's inside that thing and you got that with this, so I really liked that she ended up like inside the pumpkin, as it was yeah. like getting all gooey and all the seeds were coming back. Yeah, they, that was my favorite thing. They they showed they showed all the details of of a person in a carriage turning into a person in a pumpkin, like and mm-hmm. gradually as it gradually t- turns back into one. It was like a lot more details than how they did in the animated version. I thought was nice. I did wonder though what happened to the lizards after that scene because you at first I thought you'd never see them again but then at the very end I could see them on the balcony as they were like waving to the people or whatever so they they didn't fully disappear but they did disappear after that well yeah well you know the lizards were not 
funny in this movie a lot. They would like to do it. Did it? They would just sort of appear at the same time the fairy godmother appeared because I didn't remember seeing the lizards anywhere until the fairy godmother appeared. And and then she yeah, just, they were just kind of crawling around outside. They were, they were crawling around. Yeah, the scene before that scene. Yeah, I thought I thought, and and so I was thinking, oh, they're, they're, once the lizards transform back into lizards, they're probably just going to not be seen again after, after that. And they're just going to crawl into the woods or something. But like, yeah, but I didn't notice But you just said of the death and at the end of the movie. But that's nice that they got an extra chance to appear before it ended because they did play an important role in the story. Yeah, plus they, they were like the only ones that actually talked to her while she was, like everything was transformed. Like she had like a conversation with at least the one lizard. So it kind of oh, made yeah. them full-fledged characters. So that's why I was thought it was weird that they would just kind of disappear after that, after her having yeah. that little heartfelt conversation with them. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they did have a heartfelt conversation. And then, like, it was like... And then, like, the, yeah, you know, it would make sense that the lizards would, like, have to show up at the end. They didn't do that. Otherwise, it felt like they would just been, like, in there just for the heartfelt moment and out. Like, that's not good storytelling. Like... But yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I noticed with that scene was did the scene with the fairy godmother appearing seem familiar to you guys? Because to me, it seemed like the scene. Well, I haven't seen the remake, so I'm talking about the, the original Beauty and the Beast with the witch or whatever, she, the enchantress, I guess, like appearing yeah. as an old lady looking for help at the beginning. It's, it reminded me of that scene. Ah, hey, you know what? I I didn't think of that until now, but like now that you bring it up, it is kind of similar. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the Enchantress, also an old woman in a cloak, who you don't think there's anything magical about until until all of a sudden she surprises you and transforms. It was a little it's, it, maybe they were inspired by it. Who knows? Or it was a coincidence? But yeah, it is sort of similar. Yeah, I can see that. I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it would be years after. Well, that movie was years before the live action Beauty and the Beast remake came out. Then they could well, really. The way they handled the Enchantress in the remake is terrible. Like, she would seriously <laughs> be the worst person in the world. Uh, the way that they handled it in that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which she does to the a whole castle of people, punishing them. I don't you know. It's, it's not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen the remake, bad. so I have no comment yet. I don't know how you got that's away with not seeing that remake. That one's oh, it's so bad. I hate it so much. <laughs> it was weird but, because when it was first announced, I was looking forward to it. Then reviews started coming out. I was like, well, I, I don't know that I'll make it a priority. And then things just kept sounding worse and worse. And eventually, I was like, well, I'll do it when I get there. When in my Disney reviews. And then it became a podcast, so now I'm just waiting until I get to Beauty and the Beast in my podcast. That's the same thing that happened to me with Maleficent. I never, I still haven't watched Maleficent, even though it came out in 2014. I just, just because I, I didn't see a lot of enthusiasm about it, so I'll, I'll, I'll eventually watch it, but I'm just not in a hurry. Hmm. I feel like I'm in the minority that I actually liked those movies. Like they weren't amazing or anything, but I enjoyed them. And I think the second one was better than the first one. Oh, okay, well, that gives me a little hope, maybe. I'll I agree, up. the second one is better than the first, but yeah, not my favorite. Uh, okay. One thing that I liked towards the end of the movie was you get you get the scene with the 
stepmother overhearing about the Duke having promised the prince to a different princess. And then after the whole thing with the slipper has gone down and she's broken the other slipper, she goes back to the Duke and she tells him that her servant was actually this mystery princess and that she's he basically is talking about her saving the kingdom from a great deal of embarrassment. And she says, and I should like to keep it that way. And he says, are you threatening me? Yes. (laughs) The look on her face. (laughs) Because she wants to be like, be made a countess and get advantageous marriages for her daughters. But I just love that. Are you threatening me? Yes. (laughs) I love how she she just said yes. She's honest at least. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I am. And then we were talking about it in the other episode, but Cinderella upstairs, she doesn't even know that the prince is there. I liked that scene. Like, she's just basically trying to keep her spirits up, and even though she's locked in, it's not as desperate as the original movie, because she doesn't realize that the prince is there. But I loved how they had her singing, and the singing is what alerts everybody, because the mice and birds get the door open to have everybody outside hear her. And then the reveal that the prince has been there the whole time. I really liked that. That was good, yeah. Yeah, I liked I liked uh, the how they didn't copy the story from the original movie. They just they they were creative with it. They added some mm-hmm. new things. That was my one of my favorite yeah. things about it. And it's probably what surprised me most about it, but it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Again, putting their own spin on it. It's yeah, it's the best way to do it. Yeah. And then, as far as I can remember, I don't think you get a whole lot of closure at the end of the 1951 as far as what happens with the stepmother and stepsisters. You just know that they've been foiled. But at this one, the you have the narrator, the fairy godmother, saying that the stepmother and her daughters were like, banished with the Grand Duke like they were never seen in the kingdom again. Yeah, which, you know, satisfying nonetheless. Yeah. They get some sort of comeuppance. Yeah. And then you get the last scene with them. They've added portraits of her parents and then with the little animals around the balcony as they're presenting themselves to the kingdom. I I liked that you got to see the lizards again. I don't know. I really liked the lizards. I'm just glad they were gone forever. (laughs) Yeah. It looked a little weird when they were humans, but they they were... Yeah. <laughs> you remember that scene where one of them ate a fly while he was Yes. Yeah. Yes, and they had pointy teeth as well. They weren't yeah. the best looking humans, but I still liked yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, they did a pretty good job with that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably all we have to say. Does anybody have any final thoughts about this version of Cinderella? No, I think we covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I nothing more than what we already talked about. I just I think it's, it's the main thing I want people to take away from this is just that it was like if you haven't seen it, you should give it a chance because it's underrated. I think. Yeah, definitely, it's one of the best of the live action remakes. Yeah, yeah, up there with Peach Dragon and Jungle Book. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you, Eli? Yeah, I'm at eJunkie2014. That's my Twitter handle. That's where I spend most of the time, most of my time. 
And I also have a blog where I go more in depth uh, in, on the history of movies, TV shows, video games, all kinds of stuff about Hollywood uh, in my blog, uh, Entertainment Donkey Blog, and the website is edunkeyblog.com. You can read my thoughts there. Yeah, and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Check that out. I also have the Talking Disney Classics podcast we do once a month with my friend Stanford, where we reviewed the entire Disney canon, and then now we're talking with content creators about their Disney rankings, and we're having a lot of fun. Okay. We will see you next time, because we're going to be back for another Cinderella episode. We're going to be talking about the sequels to the original Disney classic. So that's going to be fun. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Oh boy. (laughs) Can't wait. Thanks for listening to every version ever. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.